Preaching before I was a preacher. And now that I am a preacher, I really love preaching. And so I want you to, I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to bear with me. Right. I'm asking you to labor with Amen. me. Amen. As we look together in this passage of scripture that I hope has become familiar now. Genesis chapter number 12. Let's pick up our reading in verse number 1. We'll read from verse 1 down to verse number 10. Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land, unto the place of Sychem, unto the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed, Will I give this land? And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. I'm going to stop reading right there in verse number 10. Would you pray with me tonight? Would you pray for me and pray with me? Our Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the gathering together of the people of God tonight. I pray that you would bypass the feeble preacher. I pray that you would take us by the hand and walk us through the pages of your Bible. I pray that you would show us things and tell us things. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, you would do an eternal work in the heart of your people. I pray that if there's one here tonight that does not know you in the free part of sin, that tonight would be the glad night when they would say yes to the gospel and be born again by the grace of God. I pray, Lord, you would get glory in the preaching time and we'll thank you for it and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to direct your attention to verse number five. 
Look at verse number five with me tonight. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in heaven. Watch this now. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Now back in chapter number 12 and verse number 1, the only detail that God told him about his will was that he was to get out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Right. Now you and I know that that land is in fact the land of Canaan. Right. You know it the holy land. The land of promise. Yeah. It was a land of flowing with milk and honey. It was the best God had to offer. And that is a picture of the will of God. Did you know that the revealed will of God was not for Abraham to be in Ur of the Chaldees? Right. The sevenfold blessing of God was promised to Abraham on the one condition that he get to the place where God told him to go. Don't expect to get the blessings of God if you're not in the place that God wants you to go. Help me somebody. And so we can safely say tonight that it was God's will for Abraham to be in Canaan. In fact, anybody you see in the Old Testament walking in the land of Canaan, we can say that they are walking in the will of God. You remember the children of Israel. It was not God's will for them to be slaves down in Egypt. It was not God's will for them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But it was God's will for them to be in the land of Canaan. It was a land of promise. It was a land of their heritage. A land of their inheritance. A place where God said I'll protect you and I'll provide for you. That's God's perfect will. It was God's will for Abraham to be in Canaan. Anytime you see anybody walking in Canaan, they're walking in the will of God. Amen. When you see somebody walk away from Canaan, you see them walk away from the will of God. Amen. It's not time to turn to chapter 13, but the Bible said there was a problem between Abraham and Lot. And there was a strife between the herdman of Abram's cattle and the herdman of Lot's cattle. And Abraham said, separate myself, I pray thee, is not the whole land before thee? And Lot lifted up his eyes under the well water. Tell it, preacher. Help me somebody. When Lot walked out of Canaan, he walked out of the will of God. He walked out of the will of God and walked out from under the protection of God's, of God's umbrella of grace. Got down there in Sodom and wrecked everything. He ruined his testimony. Yep. He lost his family. He lost everything. Hey, he lost everything when he walked away from God's will. Amen. Oh my. You will. Our hero tonight, Abraham. By the way, who is the father of the faith? Who is the friend of God in this short 20 verse chapter? Started out out of the will of God. That's not a surprise. Got in the will of God. And no sooner than got in the will of God that he got right back out of the will right, of God. Right, right. Help me somebody. I have no idea how far we'll go with this. I'm just praying on starting. And we'll stop somewhere toward the end of it. Yeah. How about that? Amen. Notice with me again. Verse number five. Would you say amen if I were to tell you 
that it was God's will for Abraham to be in the land of Canaan. That was the land that God promised him. Yeah. That was the land that God showed him. That was the land that God had given him for an inheritance. That land called the land of Canaan. Look at verse 5. At the middle of, toward the end of verse number 5. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Semicolon. Help me somebody. Yep. Now I know you didn't show up for church tonight. To get, a, to get a grammar lesson from a, from a hybrid hillbilly redneck from North Alabama. Help me, somebody. But I'll tell you what that semicolon means. Tell us. That means, listen, it should have been a period. Yeah. If there's an English teacher in the house, she'll probably correct me later. But this is just how I think. That semicolon, it should have been a period, but there was more to the story. Yep. Help me, somebody. Right. I would say to you tonight that this was not the first attempt at Abraham trying to get in the land of Canaan. Right. Would you look back with me in chapter number 11? Look back in chapter number 11 and verse number 31. And Peter took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai's his daughter-in-law's son Abram's wife. Watch this now. And they went forth with them from the Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. Do you see that semicolon there? Help me somebody. They went forth with them to go into the land of Canaan. This was the first attempt that old Abraham made at getting in Canaan. It was the first attempt that Abraham on, made in getting him the will of God. Look at your Bible. It says they went forth with them to, from, to go from the earth of the Chaldees to, to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. Yep. Hey, that wasn't good enough, honey. I showed you the other night that Haran is halfway between Ur of the Chaldees and Canaan land. He got halfway to the will of God stopped. Yeah. He got halfway, hey, halfway ain't good enough. Oh. He got halfway there. He got halfway there. Come on, preacher. He got held up. Something held him up and stopped him. And the Bible said they dwelt in Herod. And those who dwell halfway inevitably die halfway. Well, the Bible said that Tira died in Herod. Tira never did experience what Canaan was like. He never did get the peace and the joy of being in the will of God. He died in that halfway holdup called Herod. And it was not until the death of his father that Abraham left Herod. And thank God tries one more time. Amen. God's will. Looking back at chapter 12 and verse 5. Y'all stay with me now. Look at chapter 12 and verse number 5. And they went forth to they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Semicolon. Thank you, Lord. Huh? This ain't the first time they tried it. Nope. But look at what your verse says. And into the land of Canaan they came. What about that? Time out to shout. Yep. Hallelujah. After 75 long years of being somewhere besides the place that God told them to be. Abraham was held up halfway. I don't know how long, but however long it was, it was too long. He was not in the place that God told him to be. He was at least 75 years old when he got into Canaan. That means he was 75 years old 
before he got in the will of God. Yep. Now, verse number five, after 75 long years, after 75 long years, he has finally entered in unto the will of God. That place where God said, if you'll get there, I'll bless you. I'll make you nation. Yes. I'll make you a great nation. You'll be a blessing if you'll get to that place where God wants you to be. And here he is. Chapter 12 and verse number 5. He is finally, yep. after at long last, in God's will. Yep. Hallelujah. Let the good times roll. Yeah. Let the blessings begin. And I mean, yep. hey, hallelujah. God didn't bless him in the early county. Right. And God didn't bless him in heaven. Oh, but hallelujah, he has now taken into the place that God was talking about in God's perfect will. Let the blessings begin. Amen. Uh, you remember when you finally got in God's will? Yeah. Honey, there's a peace which passes understanding. That's right. There's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. I'll tell you who the most miserable person in the world is tonight. It's not lost people. Right. They're having a ball out there. Yep. Amen. They're having a good time. I'll tell you who the most miserable person in the world is. That's that saved person who knows where they ought to be. And they're not in the house. I don't care how much money they make. I don't care how much pleasure they get. I don't care what they obtain in life. Come on, preacher. They will never be happy until they find themselves in that place of God. Jordan. 
They just want to settle for a little bit of God's will on the outside yeah. edge of God's will. I know a lot of Christians right there now. Right. They want to get enough salvation to keep them out of going to hell. Come on. They want to go crazy with you. Yeah. Help me somebody. Come on. They just want a little bit of God's will, just enough to give them a little insurance. Yeah. Help me somebody. Oh. But they don't want to go happy with it. But I'm going to tell you something about Abraham. Our hero tonight, after 75 long years of being somewhere besides the will of God, has now made himself into the will of God. And not just into the will of God, he went smack down in the middle of God's will. Amen. Look at the first thing he found when he got in God's will. Verse number six. And Abram passed through the land and the place of Sychem, unto the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. You gotta be kidding me. Well, what about that? You have got to be kidding me. After 75 years of being somewhere besides where God said go, he finally gets in God's will. He finally is being obedient to the word of God. He's finally walking in the will of God. And the first thing he finds when he gets in, he gets in Canaan is that he's got crazy neighbors. Yeah. Amen. Number one, do you know what Abraham found when he finally got in God's will? Unfriendly people. Can yeah. I tell you that not everybody was happy when Abraham got in God's will? Oh, I need somebody to go with me tonight. And not everybody was glad about it when Abraham finally sold out. Not everybody liked it when our hero got in the place that God said for them to be. No, in fact, the first thing Abraham found when he got in God's will was there were some unfriendly people. He found out the hard day that not everybody was happy about it. And they got the way it is. That's exactly right. In Luke chapter number 15, I say it like this. When big brother, when little brother got glad, big brother got mad. When little brother came back home, it should have been a rejoicing for everybody in the house. But the daddy threw a party and they had music and dancing. But big brother came in and got mad. When little brother got glad, big brother got mad. Honey, when you find out when you get in God's will, there's going to be some unfriendly people. Don't be surprised. Come on. I'm surprised. Come on, preacher. I was surprised to find out that when, when, when I got in God's will, not everybody was happy about it. Yep. I'll tell you this one. What about that? I was a youth pastor at a church in North Georgia. And uh, Liberty Baptist Church. And uh, our church, our youth group started having revival. Mm -hmm. They wasn't but a handful of them. But them kids got on fire for God. And uh, they wanted to do something for them. All I was doing was teaching the Word of God. All the pastor was doing was preaching the Word of God. Right. Heaven somebody. And then kids got on fire for God. They came to me and they said, they said, Brother Bud, we've got some stuff that we don't need. Right. We've got some stuff that God's not happy right, with right. That, that you wouldn't approve of. Get rid of it. And I asked, yes. the, I asked the preacher's permission. I said I asked the Burn. preacher's permission. Yep. I said I got permission from the pastor. And I told the preacher about it. And I brought a 55-gallon steel drum. And I put it out in the church parking lot. And the preacher built a fire in it that night. Amen. Amen. Out after church. And I told all these young people, I said, I don't know what you got. I don't know what you got, but if you got something God's not pleased with, you bring it, put it in that fire. 
And we stood around outside of that fire and holding hands and singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And then kids was walking up. One old boy brought up a stack of, of CDs of old cussing rap music. Come on, preacher. And somebody filthy like Oh, yes. And broke them and threw them in the fire. And we shouted the victory. And then we had, had, had me right here. We had children coming up putting magazines in that fire. Yep, yep. That they shouldn't have been looking at. Don't look at me. Come on, fire. preacher. And they had, listen, I had, I had some young people. I had some girls come up. I didn't know what they were throwing in there. It looked like an eye patch. Come to find out it was a skirt. Help me somebody. Yeah. And then that wasn't enough material on it to water shotgun barrel. <laughs> but they helped me, y'all. Yes. Oh, yeah. That, that skirt was so short you could tell what they think. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Amen. These things ought not to be, y'all. Yeah. And they burned them in the fire. Yeah. And they threw them in the fire. Yeah. put them in that fire. We shouted the victory. We shouted the victory. We sang. And the next night, on Monday night, my phone started ringing off the hook. I had parents on the other line chewing me out. Yeah. Mad at me. Because I paid good money for that mini skirt. Come on. I paid good well, money. Well, what about that? Oh, I found out that when you get in God's will, you sell out to God. Yeah. You start doing what's right. right. You start living good for God. But not yes. everybody's going to be happy about yeah. it. There's going to be opposition. Let me somebody get in your face about it. Not everybody's happy when you get in God's will. Amen. Unfriendly people. That's exactly right. I can understand running into them Canaanites. Right. If it is a whole held up in the early counties. I don't know if you know anything about them Canaanites or not. But that was a wicked crowd. Yep. That bunch was so wicked. That the Bible said the land spewed them out. Yeah. They offered the children to a false god and no Right. That's right. They were after helping somebody. Sure did. And the land was sick and tired of their wickedness and their idolatry. Sure did. And their false worship and their and their wicked ways. I can understand running into people like that. If you were in Earth the Chaldees with them with them cattle stealing Chaldeans. I can understand you running into somebody like that if you was held up halfway in Herod. But here Abraham just trying his best. He's doing the best he can, trying to do right, trying to live for God, obeying the word of God. And here he's got, he's got unfriendly people. Yep. That he's having to deal with. Well, how about that? Tell it. I'm a, I'm, I mean, I, I remember when I got in. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sir. yes. Yes. That crowd I used to run with, <laughs> we're sick as thieves. Yeah. Yeah. They were with me. We were together doing things. Yep. Help me right here. Yep. I ain't gonna glorify sin, but I'm just gonna tell you. We were together doing some pretty bad stuff. Yeah. I thought we'd always be together. Amen. We were we stuck we were stuck together through all that wickedness and all that sickness, yep. all that hell, all that debauchery. We were right there together. And I thought we'd always be together. Until I stuck a King James Bible under my arm. Yep. And walked back down there and told him I was saved by the grace of God. Help me somebody. I told him God saved me and called me to preach. I told him I wasn't going to go drinking with him no more. I wasn't going to go dumping with him no more. I wasn't running the roads with him no more. And God had saved my soul. Well, you'd have think they'd have shouted the victory with me. You'd have think they'd have been glad that somebody got out of that mess. But they were not glad about it. 
Adam, they were very upset about it. Is that not surprising that you run into unfriendly people when you're out of, when you get in God's will? Right. Number two, look at your Bible, verse number seven. Look at verse number seven. And no sooner did Abraham get in God's will <laughs> that the Lord appeared unto Abram right. and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. We'll show you number number two. The first thing Abraham found when he got in God's will, number one, he found unfriendly people. Number two, look at verse number seven. Here's what God said, unto thy seed right. will I give this land. Would you look back at chapter 11 with me one more time? Would you look back at chapter 11 and verse number 30? But Sarai yep. was barren. Yeah. Right. She had no child. Right. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Yep. Do you know what Abraham ran into when he got in God's will? Number one, he ran into unfriendly people. Number two, he ran into unfulfilled promises. Yeah. You, know oh, how wow. Abraham, you know how old Abraham was when God promised him Isaac? He was seven, he was at least 75 years old. Do you know how old Abraham was before he held Isaac in his arms? He was 100 years old. That means Abraham had to live every day of his life for 25 years. He had to walk in the will of God for 25 years. He had to obey the word of God for 25 years. And for 25 long years, he had to wait on God. God did not fulfill his promise to Abraham for 25 more years. Come on. And some of us can't wait 25 minutes. Abraham Come on. God gave him a promise, but it didn't look like the promises of God were being fulfilled. And if you don't think that was an issue with God, with Abraham, you just keep reading his life. He wanted Abraham, he wanted to be Lot, and then he wanted to be Eliezer of Damascus, and then him and Sarah had to play. He was going to marry Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, and have a child and adopt him. His name's Ishmael. By yep. the way, do you know who Isis is? Yep. You know who Al Qaeda is? Yes, you know who wants to cut your head off you get for hell? Yes, you know who that is? That's That's the they made back then when they tried to help God out. When they push balls on the serpent and tell you that God don't need your help fulfilling the will of God. The will of God is God's will. Say
understand God not keeping his promise if he's over there in Mary the Chaldees hanging out with them no bacon eating moon worshiping camel stealers in Mary the Chaldees. A child of God has got no business hobnobbing in the Mary the Chaldees. Exactly right. You know what gets most people out of the will of God? Yep. You know what gets most people out of the will of God? It's when God don't do what they know God said He would do. That's right. 
Huh? That's exactly right. It don't bother us when the devil acts like the devil. Come on. He's a devil. Yeah. It's a, there's no surprise me when the devil acts like the devil. Right. After all, he's a devil. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me when the world acts like that because that's what they are and that's what they do. Hey, but what gets most people sidetracked? What gets most people out of the will of God is when they are put their trust and faith in something God said. Come on. And then it don't come to pass, honey. And I'll tell you something about God. He does not operate by your time statement. He does not live in this capsule of time. He lives outside of time and eternity. That's how he can step in time anytime he wants to. He'd show up four days later and still be right on time. Hallelujah, honey. And I'll tell you this. You keep standing on what God said. And I don't know when and I don't know how. But God will bring that thing to pass. Amen. If God said it, he'll bring it to pass. Amen. Unfriendly. He sure will. Unfulfilled promises. All right, look at number three. Look at verse number eight. And he removed from thence over the mountain on the east of Bethel. He pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar and a board and called upon the name of the Lord. I think I might have shared this with y'all Sunday, but I'm going to share it again. Here's what Abraham's doing. He's praying about which direction to go. Because he's at a crossroads in life. Did you see the verse? Yep. He has pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. Right. Huh? Yep. You're going to go one of two directions. You'll either head to a place called Bethel or you'll head to a place called Hai. I told you Sunday, don't say it again. At Bethel, that means the house of God. Amen. You go this direction and you'll find yourself in the house of God. You go this direction, you'll find yourself in a place called Hai. Hai means a heap of ruin. You'll either live your life in the house of God or you'll live your life as a heap of ruin. Don't be surprised when you walk away from the known will of God. And by the way, I don't have to tell you this, but you can hopefully you'll say amen. It's the will of God for you to be in church. It's the will of God for you to be in the house of God. And you don't have to you don't have to be surprised if you walk away from the known will of God, you'll find your life a heap of ruin. A place called Hai. Here's what he found when he got in the will of God. Number one, he found unfriendly people. Yeah. He found unfulfilled promises. Number three, he found unfamiliar places. Uh-huh. Abraham is now at a crossroads in life. He's at a crossroads, and he don't know which way to go. Yeah. Have you ever been there? Yes, sir. Most people think when they get in that place, they turn out of the will of God. But I'm here to show you tonight, honey, that our hero was in the will of God. Yep. He was smack dab in the middle of God's perfect will. And he still got into a place where he didn't know what to do. Ain't that contradictory to everything we've been told? Everything we've been told all my life. We thought when we got saved, started living for the Lord, that everything was going to be fine. Tell it. All our problems were going to be solved. Tell it, preacher. There'd be more trouble, there'd be more heartaches, there'd be more pain, there'd be more difficulty, there'd be more unknown. Come on, preacher. He's got himself now in a place. Come on, preacher. He's in a place he's never been before and he does not know what to do. Here's a little bit of wisdom my pastor lay on me. He said, when you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Right. The reason why you don't know what to do is because God hadn't told you yet. But you ought to just stay right where God told you to be. Just stay put till you hear from heaven. You don't have to go one way or the other. Yeah, man. Oh, my. Unfamiliar places. Stay 
foot. I'm going to show you what Abraham did. Look at verse number 9. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. There's only two ways in verse number 8. Yeah. There's only two ways in verse number 8. One way would lead him to the house of God. The other way would lead him to a place called Hai, a heap of ruin. There are only two ways mentioned in verse number 8. Now Abraham has found a third way. He split the difference. Yep. Our hero yep. is shrouded a fence. Well. Our hero, he's not yet fully committed to go down to Bethel. Oh, he's not going to bed on me. Look at chapter 13 and verse number 1. When he got back in the will of God, yeah, he got out of the will of God. Yeah, Abraham got out of the will of God. But thank God he got back in the will of God. And yeah. guess where he found himself? He went to Bethel. He went to the house of God. You know how I know Abraham got right with God? Because he went back to Bethel. Right. There he is in verse number 9. He's trying to straddle the fence. He split. He don't want his life to become a heap of ruin, but he's not yet fully committed to go to Bethel. And he goes down the middle, straight down the middle. And guess where it led him? Mm. Oh, my. Led him to a place called Egypt. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. I've been preaching for well over 10 minutes. Are y'all all right? Yes. <laughs> Won't you see this? We'll look at verse number 10. Here's what Abraham found when he got in God's will. And there was a famine. Where? In the land. In the land. A land of promise. Mm. A land of plenty. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here's what God said. God said, I want you to quit your job. And I want you to sell your house. And I want you to move to a place I'm going to tell you. And when you get there, I'll bless you. And Abraham did everything that God said for him to do. And when he got there, guess what he found? He found a famine. A famine. Do you know what a famine is? Tell a famine is a result of a drought. And a drought is a result of no rain. And there ain't but one person that can control the rain. And that's God Almighty. I call it heaven's withholdings. I was, hey, I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd have run into a famine when he was in the early counties. I wouldn't have been surprised if things dried up on him, if it was held up halfway. Tell it, preacher. But here he is in the will of God. He's trying his best to do right. He's trying his best to live right, trying his best to do the will of God. And he comes across a famine. Here's what I call it. Unfair problems. Oh, my. You know what he found when he got in God's will? He found out life wasn't always going to be a blessing. Huh? Unfair problem. I remember John chapter number 11. I'm trying to close, but I may preach it in a minute. I'm trying to fill the Lord out about it. Amen. John chapter number 11. Martha and Mary sent for Jesus. He who thou lovest is sick. Lazarus was sick. Huh? Jesus got there four days late. Right. He'd been dead for four days. Stinking. And they called him in plenty of time to get him there. And he didn't show up. Here's what both Mary and Martha both said. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Can I translate that for you? Yep. Mary, Mar Mary and Martha said, I don't understand why you didn't show up when I needed you. Yep. I sat on my couch in my house in Bethany. And I watched you help everybody else. I watched you touch total strangers. I watched you open up the eyes of the blind. I watched you cast out devils. I watched you heal the sick and the lame. Come on, 
preacher. Why don't you do miracle after miracle yeah. sitting there in my house? I didn't one time turn away your disciples. I fed them every time they came. We have this. Every time that you came through here and when it comes my time to need some help, you weren't there. Hey, what are you going to do with that child of God? Have you ever prayed for somebody to get some help? Watch God come through miraculously. Then when it came your time to need some help, it seemed like God wasn't nowhere around and things dried up for you and there was a famine in the land. Tell it, preacher. You know what happened to Abraham? He got out of God's will. He got out of God's will. Oh, my. I got four things that he found when he got out of God's will. But I really want to just preach one of them. But I got to mention the other three. Are y'all right? Oh, yes. Look at chapter 10. Here's what Abraham found when he got out of God's will. By the way, our hero got in God's will in chapter 12 and verse number 5. And by the time you come to verse number 10, he's out of God's will. You remember what I told you about Canaan being a picture of God's will? Well, look at where Abraham went. There was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt. Anytime anybody goes away from God, they go down. Have you ever read the book of Jonah? Anytime anybody goes away from God, they go down. And Abraham has gone down into Egypt. And if Canaan is a consistent type of the will of God, and it is, Egypt is a type of this world. This world, here's what the Bible said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Here's what James said about it. There is enmity. Did you know that there's enmity? That the very friendship of the world is an enmity of God. You can't be the friend of the world and be the friend of God. And the Bible tells us said that Abraham was the friend of God. But here he is down there. Come on. This is the worst possible place. This you, I mean, if you think Ur of the Chaldees was bad, you ought to see where he's at right now. If you think if it, if you think it was bad held up in Herod, look at where he's at right now. Honey, down in Egypt, they worship everything but God. They worship flies and they worship frogs and they worship the sun and the moon. Yeah. And they worship cattle and they worship man and they worship everything but God. It's the worst possible place. It, it's a place that represents the world and God hates it. Yep. You say, hold up, preacher. God so loved the world, John 3, 16. Thank you. That's the sinners of the world. Right. And yes, he does. God loves the sinners of the world. All of the sinners of the world. But the world, this place represents the world system. And this world system is the opposite of God. If God says a little boy is a little boy, this world says a little boy can be whatever he wants to be. Help me, somebody. Come on. Get me going now. Come on. Hey, if God says this and the world says the opposite, they're exactly the opposite from God. This world system hates God. It shook his fist in the face of God. God's going to burn this world up with an unquenchable fire one of these days for their rebellion against God. God hates the place and they hate him. God wouldn't be caught dead down in Egypt. Amen. And that is the one place Abraham went. I'm going to tell you something, honey. You get out of the will of God, you'll find yourself in the worst possible place. Yep. You'll find yourself in the worst possible place with the worst possible people. You're right. That's right. Look at some things that Abraham found when he got out of the will of God. Look at verse number 10. 
He went down to Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was grievous in the land. I'm going to say number one, there was a grievous famine. He found a grievous famine when he got out of God's will. And don't, don't think that that famine was just in the land of Canaan. Every, every Old Testament patriarch had to deal with a famine in the land. Isaac had to deal with a famine in chapter number 46. Jacob had to deal with a famine. He's probably familiar with that famine. God sent Joseph down into Egypt to spare the lives. You remember Pharaoh and his dream with the seven fat cows that ate up by the seven skinny cows. There'll be seven years of plenty and there'll be seven years of famine. So the seven years of plenty, plenty will not be remembered. And there was going to be a famine in the land. Right. That famine was not just in Canaan. It was all throughout all of the land. You know what Abraham did? Abraham left the will of God. He walked out of the known will of God. He walked out of a place called the land flowing with milk and honey to find himself a better life down in Egypt. He went out. You know what he did? Again, he left God's will because it got dry. He left God's will because there was a famine in the land and he found himself in the driest environment in the world. Amen. Egypt. Do y'all know what they got down in Egypt? Sand. Yeah. If you was to get a shovel and dig under the sand down in Egypt, guess what you find? More sand. More sand. Yep. Rip a backhoe from Russell Dewitt Center, dig under the sand, under the sand. That means you and guess what you'll find? Sand. You'll find more sand. It is literally the driest climate in the world. He left Canaan's land. He left a land full with milk and honey because it dried up and he went to the driest place in the world. Yeah, man. Just don't make no sense, does it? Nobody ever goes up when they go away from God. They go down. That's right. And verse number 10 said, Abel went down into Egypt. It was a grievous famine. Number two, there was a great fear. Verses 11 and 12. It came to pass as they entered into Egypt. He said to Sarah, I was like, Oh, now I know that I have a fair woman to look upon. Therefore, it shall come to pass. The Egyptians shall see this. They shall say, This is wife, and they will kill me. They will save thee alive. You know how Abraham left Canaan land? He didn't want to die. When Abraham left the will of God because he didn't want to die, he got out of the will of God to the worst possible place with the worst possible people and found the very thing he was afraid of waiting on him. Isn't it interesting that the man known throughout the entire word of God as a man of great faith is now exhibiting great fear? He is afraid. He was afraid of the dryness of the land. He was afraid to die. He was afraid when he got down to Egypt. He was more afraid. It was great fear. Do you know what you'll experience when you walk away from the known will of God? There'll be an overwhelming fear. You know what's wrong with this world right now? There are, there's an overwhelming great fear. There's a spirit of fear that's unleashed on this world. That's why there's so much anxiety. That's why you can't drive down the road without somebody cussing you out hitting somebody. You can't go to Sam's Club without somebody cussing at your wife. You can't go to Walmart without a fist fight breaking out in aisle six. Help me somebody because there's a bad spirit of fear overwhelming in this world. Let me lay some Bible on you. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. But there's an overwhelming spirit of fear. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because we're out of the will of God. There's a grievous famine. There's a great fear. Look at verse 13. Say, I pray thee thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. He told a lie. I call that a gross failure. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you something right here about sin. You ever heard of a little white lie? Yeah. If you've ever seen a little white lie, you're looking at one right now. 
In fact, old halfway Abraham, if you'll go to chapter number 20, you'll find out that Sarah was actually his half-sister. That's right. She was, the, she was the daughter of his mother, but not the daughter of his father, or vice versa, whichever way it is. It was his half-sister. And so really, he was not just telling a lie. He was telling a half-truth. Did I tell y'all the other night we ain't got time for half-hearted Christianity? Help me somebody. We ain't got time for half-hearted Christianity. Halfway held up in Herod, lived half his life somewhere inside the will of God. Go halfway in the will of God, chapter 20, go halfway out of the will of God. Tell half the truth. Help me somebody. Yep. We ain't got time for halfway Christianity. That's exactly right. Now, here's the point I want to make about this number, verse number 13. This gross failure. This was the darkest blot in the life of Abraham. This was the ugliest blight in the testimony of our hero, the father of the faith and the friend of God. This is the source of the ugliest blight in his life. Yeah. We had probably considered a little white lie. Uh, mm. I heard some people justify telling lies by saying some people don't deserve the truth. <laughs> well, if you've, ever, if you've ever been around somebody that don't deserve the truth, then Egyptians don't deserve the truth. Yeah. Amen. They don't deserve the truth. But I'm going to tell you something about sin. Sin ruins everything. Sin wrecks everything. And by the way, a half-truth is a whole lie. Amen. I mean, an innocent, an innocent little white lie. But look at what it got him. Look at what happened. I want you to feel the full weight of this mistake. Look at verse number 14. And it came to pass when Abraham was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. Verse number 15, the prince of Pharaoh also saw her and command, commanded her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. They took her. Sarah, his wife, y'all. Come on. The best thing that has ever happened to him. Yeah. Come on, preacher. I don't think you're picking up what I'm putting down just yet. Yeah. I don't think you feel. I don't think you feel the full weight of the, of the problem I'm yeah. seeing here. Did you know that all of the promises of God had something to do with the seed? Yep. Every single time God spoke to Abraham, He mentioned the seed. He talked about the seed. Everything in Abraham's future was about the seed. You know what the seed? Hey, let me say something to you here. Maybe you'll get it. No, Sarah. No seed. There ain't gonna be no replacement, honey. Hagar wasn't going to cut it. Not God. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. It wasn't going to go through somebody else. God wasn't going to give him another wife. Help me, somebody. It was going to be Sarah. The promises of God were wrapped up in Sarah. Sarah is going to have a son. And from that, all of the promises of God are wrapped up. No Sarah, no seed. No seed, no future. Yep. Throw it all away. Oh, help Jesus. I see Oh, I want you to feel the full weight of the magnitude of this mistake. Tell it, preacher. You're telling it right. No Sarah. Through the whole no thing. Isaac. That's right. No Isaac. No Jacob. Come on, preacher. No Jacob. No Judah. No Judah. No David. No, no David. No Jesus. Yes. No Jesus. No Bethlehem. Come on, no Bethlehem. No Calvary. Right. No Calvary. No empty tomb. No hope, no hope. He about damned us all 
my soul. Sin ruins everything. Yeah. Wrecks everything. It sure does. Now look at it. It sure does. Look at our hero. He's standing there outside the palace. Oh Egypt. my goodness. And he's watching her in the twilight of evening. Passing through the silhouette. She's so close. But she's so far away. He can't get to her. If he did take them 318 soldier servants in his house and charge the gates of Pharaoh, they'd have killed him. But he'd have never made it to her. Huh? Look at the mass this man's in. <coughs> oh, look at what he got in exchange for the best thing that ever happened to him. Look at verse 16. Look at, look at what he got in exchange for the promises of God. He had treated him well. Oh, Pharaoh had treated Abram well for her sake. Yeah. Huh? What did he get? Oh, yeah, she, yeah, oxen, yeah. Huh? Yeah. He asked men servants, maid servants. She asked camels. Come on. Yeah. What a blessing. Yeah. Are y'all picking up on the sarcasm? Yes. Because I'm laying on pretty thick. Right. Yeah. Huh? Best thing ever happened to him. <laughs> He's willing Best to thing ever happened to him. Come on, preacher. Was that little wife that God gave him. Yeah. And all of the promises of God were wrapped up right. in his relationship with that little wife that God had given him. And now she's gone. And guess what he got? Guess what he got in exchange for the promises of God? Guess what he got in exchange for the best thing that ever happened to him? Some old heifer. Some old Egyptian heifer. Oh. By the way, that's all you get, honey. You get away from God. You walk away from the will of God. You get out of the will of God. You find yourself somewhere you never should have been. And you'll lose everything you got. And all you'll wind up with some old Egyptian heifer. Amen. Amen. He's in a mess. Our hero is in a mess. It's the end. This is it. This is it. My, my, my. He's in the worst possible place with the worst possible people in the worst possible predicament. And there ain't nothing to do. He's dug himself into a hole that he can't get out of. He's got himself out of the will of God. He walked away from the known will of God and he's dug himself into a mess. My, my, my. You're right. There's a fourth thing that Abraham found when he got out of God's will. I want you to see this one. This is the one I want to show you. Look at verse 17. Would you, would you read the first three words of verse 17 out loud for me? And the Lord. Say that one more time. And the Lord. Who, who was it? And said, the Lord. In Egypt. Hold up, preacher. I thought you said he hated that place. Oh. I thought you said God wouldn't be caught dead in that place. Oh, I thought you said that place was the most wicked place there is. And God wouldn't be caught dead down there. That place had sin and he had sin. And God had it. And God don't want nothing to do with it. And I'm going to tell you what old Abraham found. He got out of the will of God. And he found, oh, he did. Come on. He found the grievous famine. And he found the great fear. And he found the gross failure. But thank God he found a gracious friend. Yeah. Abraham was the friend of God. That don't mean that Abraham, that God was Abraham's friend, although we know it was. That means that 
his friend. And oh, Abraham got in the mess. And Abraham couldn't get himself out of that mess. And oh, hallelujah, for the glorious day. When God left the poor Come on! Sure do. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Here are the three takeaway lessons. Here are the three takeaway lessons from chapter chapter twelve. Number one, it's not as hard to get in God's will as you think it is. Exactly yes. Right. It shouldn't take seventy-five years. Right. It shouldn't take you seventy-five years to get serious with God. Tell me somebody. You know what you ought to do? You ought to obey God tonight. Yep. Yeah. You know how you know how Abraham's story opened up with the word now. N O W now. Help me somebody. Ain't worried about yesterday and I ain't gonna worry about tomorrow. Right now. You ought to obey God right now. And it's not as hard to get in God's will as you think it is. Number two, takeaway lessons. It's not as hard to get out of God's will as you think it is. Yes, sir. If you're sitting there tonight and you think you're you're safe for Come now, on, preacher. But you ain't got to worry about getting out of God's will, honey. You might say let him take his stand and take he lest he fall. That's exactly you're right. You're on the verge, you're on the brink, you're on yep. the brink of a failure right now. Right. One wrong move will carry you out of the will of God. One wrong turn will take you out of the will of God. Right. Help me somebody. Yes. It's not as hard to get out of God's will. Here's the third and final lesson that I want you to read from chapter 12. It's not as hard to get in God's will as you think it is. Number two, it's not as hard to get out of God's will as you think it is. Number three, hear me now. It's not as hard to get back in God's will. There's some out there that will leave you to believe that once you leave, you can't come back. Come on! I know that there's some out there that are preachers out there running around making a good living, preaching on if you ever go, you can't come back. Yeah. If you ever break it, you can't unbreak it. I'm here to tell you, honey, that the same God, Come on, the same preacher. God that helped him the first time, yeah. gave him a second chance. The Bible said, "Just man fall seven times and rises up again." Yes. That same road to carry that prodigal out of the 
our country, carried him right back to the father's house. Hallelujah, where a robe was hanging in the closet, where some shoes were sitting there, and a ring sitting on the vestibule, 